Sure is good to be here this morning. Boy, we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God who never gives up on us. He never changes. He always stays the same. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He'll be the same God tomorrow that He is today. What an awesome God we serve. I tell you, I just felt like worshiping God this morning. I thought, Lord, I don't even know if I want to preach. Can we just worship You all morning long? He is worthy of our praise. He is such an awesome God. We're going to begin a series this morning that I've been trying to find one way to get started on it now for almost a month. Concerning peace, finding peace. And the title of this series is going to be Pursuing uh, the Peace of God. I want to read to you some interesting... Well, I was going to read you some interesting statistics, but they're in on my desk. But I have read them so many times, I'm going to go ahead and tell them to you anyways and think that I get it right. The Jim, you're okay, brother. I, really, I have read them probably 40 times over the last six months as I've been studying this. Uh, it's shocking to find out the number of people here in the United States that deal with anxiety and stress. We spend in America over $40 billion a year in our hospitals and in our doctor's offices with anxiety-related illnesses. What's shocking about that is that here in America, we spend about $148 billion a year in healthcare services, which means that almost one-third of all of our healthcare services are related to anxiety and stress. Statistics show that nearly one in five of adults ages 18 and over deal regularly throughout the year with anxiety and stress, a lack of peace. It's no different in the church than it is out in the common world to see people deal on in their daily lives with anxiety, with stress, with fear, and with doubts. And as I look throughout Scripture and I see the word peace and I, and I hear about the God of peace, I sometimes wonder to myself, God, what is it that we're missing? And, and, and I must uh, believe me when I, when I share this next three to four weeks with you and, and I have a, one finger pointed out towards the crowd, I've got three coming right back at me. Stress and anxiety are something that I too uh, battle with and struggle with and deal with. And I've been learning through the Word of God how to overcome my stresses and my, my anxieties and try to live in peace. I'm hoping that this next this series that we go through will be one of the most encouraging series uh, for uh, those of you here this morning that are children of God who have been born again, uh, washed white uh, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that this will be one of the most encouraging series you've ever been through as we see how God's Word teaches us to live in peace and not to be anxious, not to worry. It's a constant theme, especially throughout the New Testament, not to worry. Jesus asks the question, which of you by worrying can add one hour to your life or one inch to your stature? And worrying does not actually in and of itself change anything. We're going to look at that this morning and over the next several weeks 
How do we be a people who live in peace? How do we be a people that in every day of our, in our everyday living, we live lives where we are peaceful, where we are trusting, even through the storms, even through the good times, even in the face of difficulty, even in the face of death? How do we, living in a fallen world where things take place that come against us and where we deal with pains and the struggles of life, how do we live a life of peace where the peace of God rules our hearts as Colossians chapter 3 tells us that it should? And we're going to start this series in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. We'll read verses 6. Through 13, and so I'll ask if you would this morning to stand to your feet in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Beginning in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Word of God says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have received, renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. But I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, for I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Father, I thank You this morning just to be here in Your house. Father, I have felt Your presence, Lord. God, You have spoken to my spirit this morning. And God, I just feel refreshed, Lord. And Lord, I just want to worship You this morning. God, we pray that Your name would be magnified. And God, that this morning You would remind us, God, of just who You are, Lord. And that we have every reason to live in peace. Not because of the circumstances of our lives. And not because of the storms that we may go through. But we have every reason to live in peace because of who You are. Father, I pray this morning that, Lord, if there are any here, God, whom You've brought to Your house this morning that are lost, that today would be the day that You would save their soul. That today would be the day, Father, where You would open their eyes to their need for You, God, and the truth that You love them and You have provided salvation through Your Son in Jesus Christ, Lord, on the cross. Father, I pray, God, this morning, and there is no doubt in my mind that there are many amongst us, Lord, that I am not the only one here today that finds the struggle with anxiety and fear and worry a constant battle in my life, Lord. And may Your Word, God, teach us how to overcome, Lord, and to live in peace, Father, 
to trust You in every area of our life. And as the Apostle Paul said, to find a way, God, to be content in every situation, no matter what faces us. Lord, I ask this morning that You would anoint me, God, that You would touch my tongue, that You would touch my heart, God, that You would touch my mind, Father. God, that You would give me unction from heaven only, God, to preach Your Word, Father, to rightly divide the Word of truth this morning the way You meant for it to go forth. Father, we promise to praise and glorify You and You alone for all that You do in this house this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, God wants you to live in peace. God wants all of His children to be a people who live in peace, who are not uh, in every day of our li- not in in every day area of our lives living in fear and constant struggles and worry about what tomorrow is going to look like, about what's going to happen next month. But He wants us to be a people who live in peace and who trust Him in every area of our life, regardless of what circumstance that we go through. I want to try to, this morning, do two things. Really, I want to get us ready for the next two or three sermons of this series. And I want to do that this morning, first of all, starting out with, if you will, the argument for why this is so important that we get a hold of this. Is it really important for God's people to live in peace? Is it really important if you're a child of God here this morning and you would be honest and you would confess that, Pastor, fear and worry and anxiety are a regular part of my life. Why is it important that you learn how to live in peace instead of fear and worry and anxiety? I want to spend some time this morning answering that question. Chapter 7, if you would draw your... Or verse 7, if I could draw your attention there, tells us something very interesting. It says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is it that guards your heart and your mind? It is the peace of God. And so when we live in fear, and when we live in doubt, and when we live in worry and anxiety, our heart and our mind is not guarded from the attack of the enemy. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, if you can turn there with me, or you can listen to me read it here. Beginning in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Word of God says this, Why is it important that our minds are guarded? Why is it important that we live in peace? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up 
against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, look at this statement, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once obedience is complete. Look at verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And look at this, this interesting statement. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive. That means we, we get a hold of it and we grab it. We take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ. There are going to be times in each and every one of our lives, if you're a child of God this morning, there are going to be times when thoughts will come into your mind that ought not be there. We must learn how to take them captive and put them where they belong in obedience to Christ. You see, much of the war, if you will, much of the spiritual battle that we live as Christians, it starts, it takes place in the mind. It's important what we think on, which is why in Philippians chapter 4, he goes on to say, whatever things are pure and holy and right and just, think on these things. It is important what takes place in our minds. And as I just read to you, the peace of God guards our minds. And so when we don't live in peace, and when we live in anxiety and fear, our minds are open to attack. And the longer the attack takes place in our mind, and the longer that we do not take a thought captive, and we allow it to run loose in our mind, the better chance that it has of getting into the heart and then materializing itself in our everyday actions and lives. You see, it's very important that we learn how to live in peace. Because when we're not a people of peace, and when we live in anxiety and fear, it is easier for us to make poor decisions because we have a wrong way of thinking. I think about, this is the Apostle Paul. I have read, into, I have read to you two uh, statements concerning the mind uh, from the Apostle Paul here. And what comes to mind quickly is also Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And I'm going to read that to you as well. Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Can you see that if our minds are not renewed, and if our minds are open to attack, and if our minds are not guarded, it is easy to see how we cannot become transformed into the image of God to be the people that God wants us to be. It is so important that we get a hold of this principle and understand that when I don't live in peace and when I live in fear and when I live in worry and when I live in doubt, it creates a space in my life where I am open to the attack of the enemy. And friends, God does not want us open to that attack. He wants us to learn how to trust Him in every situation. He has provided everything we need to live in peace and to trust Him no matter what comes our way. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here when he says, I have found a way to be content in every situation. 
We must live in peace in order to make good decisions. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to confess. I can't, I can't talk about everybody else this morning, but I can talk about me. And I'm willing to confess before all of you that in the times in my life where I allow fear to creep in, and where rather than taking a thought captive and putting its submission and obedience to Christ, I just kind of allow it to run around up there, and I let it just hang out for a couple of weeks, and before you know it, I've been thinking about it for a month. And the longer I think about it, the more I'm convinced this thing's going to happen and I just begin to worry about it. In those times in my life, I can say without question, is when I make the poorest decisions. It is that wrong thinking that brings about wrong actions. And when we as a people of God who have every reason to trust Him, who, who, who are a people called by the One who has made every provision for us and who has, who has promised us good and who has promised to take care of us, who has promised to never leave us or forsake us, when we get our eyes off of the Savior and we get our eyes onto the storm, we begin to make some of the poorest decisions that God's people should ever make. And I know that is a truth in my life. What generally happens is we begin to think, God, you must not be in control here. And what's going to happen if this and if that? And rather than putting things back into the hands of God, we try to take them into our own hands and we try to take the reins. And we try to control what takes place so that we change the circumstances instead of learning how to be content no matter what the circumstances are. It's an endless trap. And it's one of the main ways I believe that the enemy strips away our peace and our joy is by getting us focused on the storm instead of the Savior. What does it look like when we are anxious? What does it look like when we live in worry and fear? You may say this morning, Pastor, I'm not anxious. I trust God. And I'm going to tell you some things that happen uh, when we are anxious. And you can ask yourself this morning, am I a person who really is dealing with anxiety? And is there some things in my life that need change? One of the first things that we will do when we're anxious is we will begin to grumble. And we will begin to complain. If you are a person who generally grumbles and complains, and when you're asked a question, you always come up with a negative answer. Or when you ask, someone asks, you know, hey, would somebody give a praise? And your praise is, well, thank God that I, uh, you know, that, that this thing didn't happen this week because it normally happens. And you're always finding a way to say something negative. You're grumbling. And when we grumble, we're really grumbling against the Lord. Do you remember when God led the people of Israel through the Red Sea and, and they got past the Red Sea and then all of a sudden they didn't have food and so they grumbled. They didn't have water and so they grumbled. They were a, peop they were a people who grumbled and God accused them of grumbling against Him. Even though, really, they were saying, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? You see, when we grumble and when we complain, we're really saying, I am not satisfied, God, with what you're doing in my life. And I don't trust you 
with what's taking place right now and I'm going to complain about it. Now, we may not consciously recognize that. Uh, and, and, I, and I will confess there are times in my life that I have been a grumbler and I was not consciously, uh, purposefully grumbling against God, but God has shown me that, Son, actually you were, you just did not know. And so one of, one of the things that begins to happen when we, uh, when we are anxious and when we do not live in peace is we begin to grumble. One of the other things that we begin to do, and I want you to listen to me, young Christians, this is very important. Those of you who have recently given your hearts to the Lord, if you're a, this is a good sign that you're not living in peace and trusting the Lord. After you grumble, you begin to look back. And you begin to talk about the past. Do you remember the children of Israel? What does it say to Moses? I wish we would have just stayed in Egypt. God has delivered them. He has let them out of captivity. They are no longer slaves to the Egyptian people. For 400 years they were slaves. And all they wanted was to be delivered. And God delivers them. And then they begin to grumble. And what do they say? I wish we were back in Egypt. And I have heard many of people who have been saved, make comments like, well, ever since I got saved, this began to happen. It was a lot easier before I found the Lord. It was a, a lot easier in my life. And, and, and I'm not trying to come down on you this morning if you made those comments, but I'm hoping that I can reveal to you that there are some areas possibly in your life where the peace of Christ does not rule in your heart. And if it does not, your mind is open in some areas to attack and it's a dangerous thing. And God wants you to live in peace. Not only does He want you to live in peace, He has provided every reason for us to live in that peace. It is when we get wrong thinking that we begin to step away from it. And so, what's it look like when we're anxious? Number one, we grumble a lot. We're always complaining. And it works itself out in different ways. Again, I'm just going to talk about me this morning because I can't talk about you. But can I, can I just be honest and tell you that as a pastor, I know some pretty dignified ways to grumble. I mean, I do. I, I, I know some pretty dignified ways to grumble and the right way to word it and so that it doesn't really look like I'm complaining, but really I am. And that's the case so often with many of us. We'll say things like, you know, someone will ask, hey, how's, how's things going? And with, what, with, what, with an opportunity to say, hey, couldn't be any better. God's in control. He's learning to strengthen me through these times in my life. We'll say something like, well, if you want to know the truth, my back hurts. I don't like my job. My boss did this. My other boss did this. This is happening and this is happening and pretty much everything's going wrong, but God's in control. He's so good. By the way, you need what I've got. Really, we're grumbling. Really, we're finding a dignified way to complain about everything that we want changed. 
and not acknowledge that really we're complaining about the, 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 the stack of cards, if you will, that God has dealt me at this stage of life. And so when we're anxious, we begin to grumble. We often begin to look back. And we begin to think about, you know, the way that things used to be. And, and, and we look back and we begin to make statements about the past. And we begin to think about going back to the past. And all of a sudden, these thoughts that we really need to take captive and put under submission and obedience to Christ, we allow them to run around in our lives. I was thinking about a friend of mine before I ever went into... Uh, well, I'm not even going to be very specific here. But a friend of mine one time tried to convince me uh, to take a new job. And the first time he was just telling me how great the job was and, oh, you've got you've to come work with me and this, you'll love it and you'd be perfect for it and everything else. And I thought, well, I don't you know. I don't know. I've, I've got a job now and everything else. And next time I talked to him, he was telling me how horrible his week was and how terrible his job was and how hard his boss was and how everything was this and how his back hurt and all these other things. I'm thinking, didn't you just tell me I need the job you've got and that I would love it? And when we begin to grumble in the same way, we give God a bad name. I want to ask you this morning a personal question. How many of the people at your work, at your school, maybe your family, Maybe some of your friends. How many of them know that you're a Christian? Think about that for a moment. And then may I ask you the question, how many of them see you grumble as a constant part of your life? And what are you really teaching them or showing them about God, your confidence in Him, to finish the work that He started in your life, to be in control of every area of your life? You see, when we live in anxiety and fear and worry and it works itself out in the way that we grumble and in our behaviors, it begins to put a bad name on the one that we should trust in every situation, every circumstance. These are some of the things that we need to take a look at and ask ourselves, do I really deal with anxiety? Am I a person that does not trust the Lord? So now the question is, how do we pursue peace? That's the title of this series. How do we pursue peace? How do we move away from being a people of fear, a people of worry, and a people of doubt to a people who no matter what comes our way, no matter how hard the winds may blow, no matter how high the waves may be, how do we become a people who live in peace in every area of our life, every day, no matter what comes our way, a people who can say, God is in control. Everything that's happening in my life right now is being orchestrated by the hands of God. He has me in the palm of His hand. I'm as safe as I could possibly be. And God is teaching me and strengthening me through this trial that I'm going through. How do we move from being a people of worry and fear to a people who live with that attitude? That is the purpose of the next three to four weeks as we look at pursuing peace. Let me read to you again, verse 7. How do we do this? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Let me first say this. The peace that I'm talking to you about this morning, it doesn't make sense. That is important that we understand that. Interesting enough, 
Paul is the one uh, who is saying all of these things that I have read thus far. I want to read you something else that Paul says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 that the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, because he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, does he also just tell us that the peace of God transcends understanding? Yes, he does. You know what that means? It means in order for us to really get a hold of what the Bible teaches about God's peace, we're going to have to put on the mind of Christ and we're going to have to see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears and understand with a spiritual heart. And so I'm going to ask you that as we work through this, and especially, my friend, if you're someone like me who has dealt with anxiety in your life and who has dealt with fear and worry, I'm going to ask that you would really pray, God, over the next several weeks, would you help me to spiritually understand what your Word teaches so that I can overcome this area of my life and so that I can be a man or a woman who lives in peace. The Bible says, number one, The peace of God is supernatural. It doesn't make sense. The world should be able to look at a Christian who's going through some terrible time and say, where in the world does your peace come from? It should not make sense. It should surpass understanding. You know what that means? That means when Peter's walking out on the water and the waves are crashing all around him and he has his focus on the Savior. It might not make sense why he's not sinking. But that peace that he has in his Savior transcends what makes makes sense. It passes knowledge. It passes understanding. So friends, if you think over the next several weeks that I'm going to try that I'm going to be able to show you how all of this makes sense and and why if you'll do this and this and this you have reason to know that everything is going to be okay I'm not going to be able to do that because the peace of God transcends understanding the amazing thing about the peace of God is not that God changes all of our circumstances so that there's nothing to fear The peace of God is not a promise that there will be no problems, but it is a promise that through problems and through the valley, He will be there with you. And even though you may be facing some horrible event in your life, whether it may be divorce or whether it may be cancer, whether it may be sickness or disease or something taking place in your family, you can know that if you are a child of God here this morning, He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And there is a peace that passes understanding that the rest of the world might say, how can you be so peaceful? How come you're not worried? How come you're not living in fear? How do you still function every Every day with this thing going on in your life, there is a peace that passes understanding. And God wants you to have it this morning. It will help you overcome anxiety. It will help you overcome fear and worry and doubt when you face the storms of life. So number one, it is supernatural. What does that mean, number one? Quit waiting for everything to make sense. Quit waiting till you've got it all figured out to start walking for God and obeying His Word and doing the things He asks us to do. 
If you're waiting for all of the answers to understand why A happened and why B happened and how come they happened before C did, and if you're trying to figure all of these things out so that you can live in peace and so that you can understand it, know this, there are things in our lives that God will never reveal to us why they happened the way that they did. Most of the time, God does not reveal to us why things happen the way they do until long after they've already happened. But sometimes He never shows us at all. He just wants us to trust Him and to know that He is God and that He is in control. Quit waiting for everything to make sense this morning. There are some who know that that they need to be right with God and who know that God has a plan for their life and who know that they need to surrender in their lives to God, but they're waiting on some answers that they may never get. It's supernatural, the peace of God. It doesn't make sense. And if you're waiting for all the pieces to fall together so that you can see the puzzle, my friend, you will probably be waiting the rest of your life. It's supernatural. It transcends understanding. How do we pursue peace? Number two, I want you to hear me on this. It's very important. I'm going to do my best over the next several weeks to show you what the Word of God says about finding peace and pursuing peace. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't choose the name pursuing to start off this series flippantly. It takes work. Listen to me again. It takes work to live in the peace of God. It's not just going to come because you decide you're going to come the next couple of weeks and listen to this series. And I promise you, as, as your pastor, I'm going to do my best to open up the Word of God and to show you what God's Word teaches about it. But it will take work in your life if you're going to be a man or a woman who pursues peace. We're going to look over the next couple of weeks at some theories of the secret place. Next week, we're probably going to go through Psalm 91 and see that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Dwelling in the secret place of God. It takes work to abide there in that place. It takes work. We're going to see that another key to living in peace is, is, is living in the promises of God. Friend, how can you live in the promises of God if you're not learning the promises of God? If you are not seeking the promises of God? It will take work to live in the peace of God. But the amazing thing is this, that the very work that it will require, God will empower you to do. And that God's will for each and every one of His children is to live and abide in that peace. And if it's His will for us, He will empower us to do it. But it's going to take some work. It's a, it's a sad thing how many Christians live most of their life and they'll say, I was saved five years ago. I was saved ten years ago. I was saved twenty years ago. I was saved fifty years ago. And when I communicate with them and when I talk with them, it's evident they have never stopped drinking the milk and got on to the meat of the Word. Why? Because we're not willing to feed ourselves. 
We would rather come and sit here and have Pastor Joplin open up the baby jar and spoon feed us baby food all of our life because we don't want to feed ourselves. It's amazing to me people who may have been saved even a year or three years or five years or ten years who will come into a class where, where God's uh, really using someone to teach some of the deep truths and they'll get up and leave and say, I can't understand it. Maybe it's meat and it's time that you move away from the milk. Learn to start feeding yourself. Learn to start pursuing the peace of God. It is the Word of God. And it is going to take some effort on your part. And I'm not going to lie to you this morning and tell you that if you'll just come and listen over the next three weeks to what I have to say, that you're going to find peace because that won't happen. But I promise you, if you'll take the Word of God and you'll listen to it and apply it and then live it out, I don't care what you're going through, my friend. I don't care what storm is breathing down your neck. You will be able to find peace and refuge in the One who has the ability to either speak to the storm and silence it with the snap of His finger or empower you as He did Peter to raise above it and walk on top of it. But it's going to take some work. Are you willing to to do the work uh, with me as we begin to pursue peace? We must learn the promises of God. We must learn to live in the secret place. We must learn to focus on the Savior instead of the storm. Those are probably the three titles of our next three sermons. I have in my notes that life goes on. It does not stop. If you have been recently saved, know this, life will go on. And thank God that it does. But life goes on. And when we live life in a fallen world and we're around fallen people and friends of mine, even though we have been born again, regenerated through the Holy Ghost of God and though He lives in us, we are still a fallen people that have problems at times taking those thoughts captive and who still make mistakes and who even though God empowers us to do His work, we are still not a perfect people and because of the fallen world that we live in there will be consequences there will be sickness there will be there will be pain at times and when we do not acknowledge that we set ourselves up for failure and when we when we live blindly to that we also set ourselves up for hurt and for pain i've seen people before that refuse to acknowledge that they're sick And I don't know what they're coughing or or, or what it is, but I'm thinking, brother, if you're not sick, that's fine, but don't cough on me because I don't want whatever you have. Life goes on. The question is not, God, are you going to change everything so that we never have to deal with problems and so that we never have to jump over hurdles and so that we never have to climb a mountain? But God, how do you empower us to do Uh, what You're calling us to do and to live life through this life and to live it in peace. Because life goes on. Peace is not the byproduct of no problems. That is so important that we understand that. The peace of God that transcends understanding, think about this for a minute, it is not the byproduct of no problems. I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't there be some understanding in that? That if there were no problems, there would be peace? But this peace surpasses understanding. There are still going to be problems we're going to face. 
Life goes on. It does not stop. I want to leave you this morning uh, with a few, um, I guess, just words of counsel from the Word of God about pursuing peace and how do we do it. Paul goes on to say in Philippians, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace, I love how he refers to God here, the God of peace will be with you. One of the things we need to do to pursue peace is to learn to think on the right things. To learn to think about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is admirable, whatever is righteous, whatever is praiseworthy. And I want you to know this. It works. There have been times in my life where fear was breathing down my neck where it seemed like the storm was raging around me, I would look to the north and there was the storm, so I would turn around and look to the south and there was a storm and I would look to the east and to the west and it seemed like I had nowhere to go, but I was surrounded. And friend of mine, when I quit looking to the left and to the right and to the front and to the back and I would hit my knees and look up instead, And I would begin to praise God for who He is. And I would begin to worship Him for who He is. And I would begin to call Him by name. And I would begin to think about the things that were worthy of praise and the things that were excellent and the things that were right. All of the sudden, these storms would begin to lose their power as I was reminded of who God was. One of the keys is to learn to think on the right things. That means, as well, learning not to think on the wrong things. It's important what we think on. It's important what we watch. It's important what we listen to. It's important what type of friends we have. Brother or sister, if you've got a good friend of yours, Or your friends are the type of people that when you get around them, they're always talking about the negative and and coming up with every possibility that could go wrong if this and this happened. You need to consider how much time you spend with those people. Because the more you think on those things, and the more you allow them to run around in your head instead of taking them captive, trust me, the more you'll start seeing you move away from a life of peace to one of anxiety and fear. It's important what we think on. And I'm going to close today with the words of Jesus. If you want to turn with me in the book of Matthew chapter 7. How do we pursue peace? Excuse me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus tells us not to worry. He says, if God's going to take care of the birds and if God's going to clothe the flowers, won't He take care of you? And won't He feed you and won't He clothe you? Is not life more than clothing and and eating and drinking? He asked a question. I want to ask you the same question this morning. Which of you, by worrying, can add one hour to his life? You know what he says? Worrying is pointless. This is something that is amazingly fascinating to me. The Bible teaches that you have not because you ask not. So we can actually ask God and God can give. I think about Jesus and and some of those that He healed. He would say, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. So our faith and our belief in God and our trust in God and our prayers to God can change things. But worrying doesn't even have the opposite effect. It just can't do anything. And if it can't do anything, which is the point Jesus is making, then why even worry? I begin to learn that when I worry, all that it does, the only, really the only power it does, or power that it has, it has the power to ruin my day. That's about the only power that worry actually has. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't change the outcome. No matter how much I worry and stress about it and fear about it, it doesn't change anything except for my day. Now, would you agree, in one sense, worry is pretty powerless and is pointless. On the other hand, it moves us away from peace which is what guards our hearts and our minds, and it sets us up to be attacked easily by the enemy. So how do we pursue peace? Here's one of the, this is the main key, and this is what we're going to look at over the next two to three weeks. Jesus said this, and I want to ask our worship team to come at this time. Jesus said this. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, 
My prayer is this. It really is. And God knows this. My prayer is that most of us here that struggle with anxiety will get a hold of what God's going to try to teach us. But let me say again, it's going to take work. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Are you really seeking the kingdom of God? Because that takes work. Again, seeking the kingdom of God is a lot more than coming here and just having me spoon feed you something and then you come back next week and we do it over and over again. But it's an area in every day of my life. God, I'm in your word. I'm seeking your truth. I'm begging you, God, to reveal to me, Lord, the truth that you're trying to speak to me. I'm begging of you, God, to give me understanding. The Bible says that God is the one who gives wisdom. Did you know that? God is the one who gives wisdom. And Proverbs says, cry out for it. Seek for it as for treasure. Seek for it as for gold. And God gives wisdom. So for someone to say, well, I just can't understand. This is too deep for me. It's for someone to actually say, God won't give me wisdom. And you're grumbling against God. Are you willing to seek? You see, that's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. That's the key. Now, how do we seek the kingdom of God? How do we seek His righteousness? What does that look like? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks. And I'm excited about it because I need this. I don't know about you. I might be the only person here this morning that deals with anxiety and stress, but this is going to be for me, and I just hope the rest of you like it because this is good for me. God wants you to live in peace. God wants you to live in peace. Friends, do you really think that our Savior put His hands out looked at those who were about to drive the nails through His wrist and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Was raised above the earth and shed His blood and hung there and died. You really think He did all that He did for us? For us to live a life of anxiety and fear and worry? Give me a break. We have every reason to live in peace. We have every reason to trust our God. Whatever it is you're facing this morning, whatever it is, He is big enough. He's the answer. And it starts with Him. If you're lost this morning, know this. God has made every provision for you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Seek Him while He may be found. Will you come to Him this morning? If you're here this morning and you're like me and you'd say, Pastor, there's some real areas in my life where I fear and anxiety creep and I know they shouldn't be there. This morning with me, will you renew your commitment that, God, I'm going to seek you on this and I'm asking you to reveal to me. I understand it passes knowledge and it passes understanding. I understand, God, that you're the only one that gives knowledge. And for me to get a hold of this and for this to change my life, God, you're going to have to intervene. And I'm asking you to do that in my life right now. Open my eyes. Purge me of the things that would keep me uh, from receiving from you what you want me to receive. Would you do that with me this morning? Father, we thank you, God. 
Lord, that You are the God of peace. And Father, I thank You that, Lord, You have made every provision for us, Father. And God, I thank You that, Lord, You love us so much that, God, when we, when we are a people that live in anxiety and fear, God, rather than becoming angry with us, Lord, You passionately pursue us, Father. And Lord, I'm excited, Father, to see where You're going to take us, Lord, over the next couple of weeks. And God, I'm excited, God, that You have been teaching me, Father, to live in peace no matter what comes. My way, Father. God, teach us to watch the Savior and not the storm. Father, move here this morning, God. If there be any loss this morning, right now, would you speak to their heart, God? May they see the need, God, this morning to come to you and you alone as a source of salvation. God, if there's somebody here this morning dealing with anxiety and stress, right now, would you put it in their heart to call out to you for wisdom and understanding to overcome this area in their lives, God, that we might people of peace that the world will look at and say, I need that peace and I need what they have. Father, move all across this room and finish what you've started here this morning. All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want the peace, but I don't even know if I have the Savior. And I need to be saved. Would you pray for me that God would save me, Pastor? If that's you, would you put your hand up and write back down? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Pastor, I need to be saved. Maybe you're here and you're a child of God. And you say, Pastor, I've dealt with a lot of stress and anxiety. And I want God to teach me about peace. Would you be willing to put your hand up and write back down? Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over this room. I'm not the only one. If there's a need in your life this morning, know this, God is here. You may not have tomorrow. And as they sing, these altars are open. If you raise your hand or even if you didn't, if there's a need, will you come this morning and let God meet that need in your life? These altars are open. Won't you come?